welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. In honor of my third to fifth grade girls team winning this week, we're gonna we're gonna be a ladies heavy and ladies first podcast today. So we'll start with the girls local basketball and uh, good stuff happened this week. We're all kind of leading towards the Gap Wilson round two that's coming up this Saturday, but uh, that game lost a little bit of sizzle because Fort Defiance took down Wilson last week and uh, a big win for the Indians. Greg Smith in his first year there. Uh, getting the 50 to 46 win on the road at Wilson and, uh, you know, kind of jumbling up those teams behind Buffalo Gap. Now, while it'll still set up to be a big, big matchup with the two teams that are still the two best teams in the district uh, with Wilson, with that additional loss, you know, this, this isn't for them playing to tie up the district rankings. Now it's looking, you know, it's, it's keeping them within shouting distance of Buffalo Gap. So, uh, uh, that was a big win for Fort, and it just kind of keeps proving that uh, you know it's hard to get wins consistently in the in the girls' side, especially in the Shenandoah district, where you know Fort and Drafts having the good year. We thought Stanton was coming in hot in the district season; they've cooled off some, but still, it's a lot of teams that can beat a lot of teams in the Shenandoah. Uh, yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head earlier with the the, the matchup has lost its sizzle because now. Barring, barring Buffalo Gap just completely not showing up for a game, they're going to win the Shenandoah District no matter how that game on Saturday goes. So, right. uh, and honestly, the way they dominated the first time they played, I don't know. I, I'd be surprised to see Wilson win that game. It, it does kind of feel like Buffalo Gap is going to win. It's a race for second, and that race is very much on because of what Fort Defiance was able to do because now Stewart's draft and Wilson Memorial are right there neck and neck with each other. Fort Defiance is right outside looking in, and they could very easily yeah. get back into that conversation if they win against Stewart's draft on Thursday. Yeah. And, and that sets up for Stewart's draft to kind of have an interesting week here where they're going to have gap on Tuesday fort on Thursday. And then, and then Stanton, who's the improved team there. And, you know, Stanton Stewart's draft wanting to be one of those teams contending for second. This is a very important week for them with Chad Siebert, his first year there, take it over for the Cougars. So I, I like how this is playing out for this week to be really important for that Stewart's draft team. And then how that applies to Fort Defiance and Wilson and Buffalo Gap. It's just a, a real interesting week to pay attention to the girls' basketball scores as they come in, uh, particularly Tuesday and uh, and uh, Friday. Now, that Gap-Wilson game is Saturday. I, I don't know if it was originally scheduled like that, but it is. It's a Saturday game. So that one kind of sits on its own there as kind of a marquee for the week. Yeah, it does. And I think that's the exciting part is in that race for second. Um you know, there's so many teams in the hunt. And as you said, it's a big week for draft. I just touched on, though, I don't think they're beating gaps. So I think that fort game gets even more big for Stewart's draft. And then it's about, you know, trying to pull Wilson down to you at that point, because I think Buffalo Gap is just that much better than everybody else. And so it, it becomes trying to bring Wilson to you. I, I still give Wilson the inside track there, despite the loss to Fort Defiance uh, last week. I still think they're probably still the second best team in the Shino district. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the girls' sports. I, I would say it's a theme on this episode here. We're going to stick with the women's sports. We're going to go up to the college level basketball. Uh, your VCU women, you called a good game for them against Dayton last week, uh, but then they did fall short against George Mason on the weekend. They did. Um, George Mason's one of the best teams in the A-10. Um, yeah. And, and they may be the best team in the A-10 when the regular season is over. Who knows? 
Um, so that was a tough game. Uh, but they did. Uh, I did not call the Dayton game. That was at Dayton. Um, but oh, excuse me. For some reason, I thought you went on the road last week. So that's my, my fault. Or not not that far on the road. I thought you went to Richmond. My bad. No. Um, it was it was a game at eleven uh, a.m. It was their kids' I gotta keep day. Better track of you. Yeah. So. It was a it was their kids' day at Dayton. <laughs> so there were over twelve thousand kids at that game watching oh, wow. the VCU Dayton game. VCU came out hot at the start. Dayton clawed back a little bit. Uh, got real close in the fourth quarter, but then Tamaya Lewis Utsi bags a couple threes and really puts the Flyers away. In the George Mason game, they hung around a little bit, but George Mason's just really good, and they made some outside shots, and VCU couldn't get the offense going. Uh, Siri Tibiasu uh, did lead the team in scoring, but Thursday, uh, or actually, I don't think that's right. I think it's, that game is going to be Wednesday, Leland. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wednesday at 11. We're only uh, as good as these notes that I rushed together, right? That's fine. <laughs> uh, at 11 a.m. on Wednesday, they're going to be playing the A-10 Player of the Week in Megan McConnell and the Duquesne Dukes. Uh, so that'll be VCU's Kids Day, where kids from the Richmond area schools will come in and uh, watch the game. And hopefully the Rams will be able to win that one. And then, again, they'll play George Washington on the weekend. That one is on Sunday. Well, that's something to look forward to there and look forward to hearing you call a couple games. That'll be good. Uh, the Virginia Tech women, they had a good week and weekend. They beat Georgia Tech last week and then went up to Syracuse, a hard place for anybody to go play a basketball game uh, against a ranked Syracuse team. And Virginia Tech had finally kind of gotten things back to, together. Georgia Moore back on the court uh, past that injury. And uh, they played well. They had a good win against uh, Syracuse. Kelly wasn't big for them offensively. She did provide a lot of points, still presence on the court, getting rebounds and stuff like that. But it really started to open your eyes to who the other people were, like Kane and the other ones that really uh, stepped up and, and helped them on the scoring end uh, for the Hokies. And that's something they'll need as, as teams are able to control Kitley a little bit and focus on her when they sacrifice to control what she can do. Who else is going to step up? They saw some of that with a win against a ranked team in Syracuse. But this schedule gets, you know, solidly tough for the women moving forward. UVA, which obviously is a rivalry. UVA coming off a big win against UNC uh, this week. And then they, and then Tech will play UNC themselves. And then when you look ahead on their schedule, it's just a bunch of ranked teams in the ACC ahead of them, like NC State uh, and others, and even Duke, who's not ranked, but a good program there. So uh, the women's kind of getting back on their feet this week past week uh at the right time when they need to to hopefully make a run at the uh, regular season championship yeah it's definitely this week and uh, i think the following week is when some of those other big time matchups yeah. really pick up um it's it's gonna be crunch time for the women there in blacksburg but kenny brooks is you know why would you doubt him he's he's been yeah. a great coach and won everywhere he's been so you would think he's gonna have those uh ladies ready to play Jane, and, you and some not Oh, go ahead. Uh, something I saw with Kenny this week, and uh, it, for being on the court, we referenced, I referenced coaching my little league team, and uh, I saw Kenny. I mean, everything went wrong, and for like a minute for the women, that second quarter was a rough time. Georgia Moore was out for a few minutes with some foul trouble. The ball is getting bounced around, going in anywhere, and he just sat there completely calm and and just kind of put his head down and just kind of had a smirk on his face when he brought it up, and, and then kept going and. Uh, the announcers kind of alluded to that, but I, I just, I always appreciate the kind of coach Kenny Brooks is. I wish, I wish I was anywhere as good as him, but I, I hope to have at least the patience uh, of him because um, 
he's just he has that calm sense and the and the team stays calm as well. And that's something I've really noticed this year, especially with a couple of those losses. I haven't seen tech pressing in the next game or, or you know, it, you don't feel that impact from game to game carrying and they kind of, you know, stay steady win or loss. They're just staying steady. And I thought that one instance was a good example of the kind of coach he is and the impact he has on that team. Yeah. Um, he, he's a great coach and yeah, you never yeah. really see him panic or get too no. animated. Um, but for JMU women, uh, where Kenny Brooks came from, uh, good transition. They split, <laughs> they split this week. Uh, they lost to Marshall, which was a tough loss, uh, but then came back and beat Appalachian state. Now they're going to go to Georgia state and then at Marshall, uh, really yeah. need that Marshall game. That's going to be tough, um, but they need it. Yeah. These, you know, a, a couple of losses and what we were foreseeing for them. I thought it'd be impossible for them to go undefeated through the Sun Belt. I mean, you get those trips on, mm-hmm. uh, in the Sun Belt, they're just tough. But to lose a home game against Marshall, kind of surprising. I, I like it for them that they kind of get that immediate chance a week and a half later for redemption on that game and to go to Marshall, which, sure, that's a road trip, but it's a weekend road trip, not that far. So I, I really like to see, you know, some growth, some some positive there uh, in that game. Uh, and hopefully a win coming back. Now, Georgia State should be handleable, even though that's one of those road trips that I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, that Marshall game, big circle around it, and really like that. And sticking with the uh, theme of the night, leading with the women, let's jump into a season preview for JMU softball. We follow them uh, throughout the season, as we know, and we've had Coach support on the last couple of years. We're going to have her on again, and uh, let's get to that. So let's jump into our interview for the tonight's episode for the Exports Podcast. Coach Laporte with JMU Softball, your third year joining us, and uh, we're glad to have you. Well, thanks for having me. Excited to talk about the season. So just about 10 days to go until the season starts and, and like usual, all those early season tournaments. But coming off a, a Sunbelt year where you went down into the tournament, um, you know, you had a win in season, but, you know, probably not as deep of a season as you were hoping for. Um, what are you looking at this year to, to be able to go a little deeper? Yeah, I think, you know, when you take a look at every season, you, you look at your needs. And, you know, obviously we had no depth in the circle going into the conference tournament. Um, you know, we had four pitchers on staff, three of them being hurt, um, one being healthy, and yeah. she was a freshman. So we took basically one healthy pitcher down to the tournament with us, um, knowing it was going to be tough. Um, yes, it was one game a day, so we were like, okay, she's got to pitch really well for these four days. Um, but we um, had to, you know, go in the portal and, and get some depth in the circle. You know, we knew we were getting freshman um, Kirsten Fleet from, you know, Reiner, Virginia, mm-hmm. um, and she was a big-time, you know, recruit um, for us. But we felt like we needed a little bit more, so uh, we went – um, into the portal and got Molly Grew from UVA, a grad transfer, and then Peyton List from Virginia Tech. Um, and they have been huge for us um, because they're different um, in so many ways. You know, Molly's the veteran, um, but they both have, you know, pitched at a high level, um, and that's kind of what we needed. And then, you know, adding Fleet to that mix um, is what was what our staff needed. Um, so that has been the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to, you know, going into, you know, next weekend and all of them are healthy, which knock on wood, hopefully that stays that, that way for the next seven days. 
Um, but just having some depth in the circle, um, it, it was going to be huge for us this year, especially in the Sun Belt. I'm curious, you know, this is year two in the Sun Belt. Um, was there anything in year one that kind of maybe even surprised you on the biggest changes from the CAA to the Sun Belt? I think, you know, you included, and I know we talked to you last year, and you were saying this is a big step up, but was there anything that surprised you in year one? in the Sunbelt? Um, there were no easy weekends. Um, I felt like the biggest thing that I felt like going into the weekend was the teams are very prepared against us. Um, the coaches do a very good job at preparing their teams for their opponent with scouting. Um, you know, and I think the coaches are all very veteran. I mean, if you take a look at the league, um, there's been some coaches in that league that have been coaching for 20, 30 years. Um, so they understand the game really well, but they, un they also understand how to prepare their teams. Um, so um, I feel like that was a really big change, um, you know, going into the Sun Belt. And I just feel like all the teams just had a lot more depth as well. The pitching was really good. Um, you know, we had, I think, three um, all-region um, All-American type pitchers. Um, they had been All-Americans, you know, in their careers at some point. Um, so, you know, just the, the pitching was very strong um, in the league and, and the offenses were as well. You know, talking about this league with Louisiana, they won the league, the regular season and the um, tournament last year. And you guys get to go on the road, get, get to uh, go on the road down there this year. Yeah. Uh, talk about, you know, some of the challenges of that schedule, including that trip down there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was nice that we actually went to the tournament last year there. So we got a little yeah. bit of a feel of, of what it was like playing in Raging Cajunville. Yes, we didn't play them, so there are no fans. Um, but just the atmosphere and being familiar with their field, it was honestly great. Um, they, it, they you know, treat everyone really well. Um, but I, I think it'll be good for our team um, to be in that atmosphere um, and be in that kind of stadium Real, really regional, super regional kind of feel because that's what their fans bring. Um, and, you know, it's nice to be able to have that extra energy. And, and I think our fans do a good job at that as well. Um, and, and playing at home is an advantage. But I am so happy that we played there last year. So we have some, some feel for what it's going to be. I know you talked about depth already with your pitching staff, and that's one of the, the issues you addressed. Is there anything else that JMU fans are going to be seeing that's different from last year's team? Yeah, a lot. I think we have some players that um, are coming off injury where they weren't able to play last year um, that are really going to be key for us. Um, you know, we have some juniors that have just been injured in their entire career and, and are coming out. and No one really knows much about them, but um, I'm hoping for, for big seasons for them. I think overall, there's just such a good mix of veterans and ex a little bit more experience on the field. Um, even with our sophomore class, um, you know, two of them, um, well, actually three of them, um, played a lot. Um, KK Mathis, Bella Hensler, Kate Carrier. So, yes, they're sophomores and underclassmen, but they had a lot of game time experience. So, I think that's going to be huge, too, um, just those deeper relationships and not just knowing each other on a surface level. I feel like they're at that place within a team where – they have formed better relationships um, and it's not just meeting for the first time and figuring out how to play together. I think they know how to play together a little bit better. Something I found interesting uh, maybe two times ago when we talked was how, you know, that deep run a few years ago in the um, college world series, 
kind of made you a more brand name. And, and when you went recruiting far away from Virginia, how more people knew who JMU was that, and then mm-hmm. you didn't feel that before. And I noticed that with a couple, you know, uh, West coast girls on the team on the roster um, from recruiting. Um, how, how's that been going? And, and the, you know, the benefits and of having some of those uh, people that were new to JMU and knowing what JMU is on the roster now. Yeah, you know, I think we're really able to recruit from some very high-level travel ball teams that we weren't really in the mix with, um, especially us getting, you know, relationships with those coaches, um, I think has helped. But at the end of the day, like, we don't want to change, you know, I guess our recruiting, you know, we still want the the blue collar. We want regional players. Um, you know, the West Coast kids that we have, you know, they still have a little bit, a little bit of that in them. Um and, and that's kind of like what we like, you know, we like that hardworking kid that's just going to grind and, and run through a wall for her team and, and her, her staff. And that's the type of player that we feel is a better fit at JMU and is better fit for us, you know, overall and, and fitting the puzzle of what we need. Um, I think we've been able to still find that type of player, but they've been playing at a high level in travel ball too. So I think that combination um, has been better so that when they get here as freshman year, they're not like stunned with the level of play, you know, division one brings. I, you know, I want to go back to something you said on my previous question and piggyback off that a little bit. Um, You mentioned your sophomores who had a ton of experience as freshmen turning into leaders. I've seen that with the VC women's team this, this season where they had, two freshmen have to play the whole season as starters and now they're super sophomores. What does that do for a coach? I know you still are very hands-on with the program and want to be coaching and there's certain things that you have to make decisions on, but how much of a relief is that for you as a coach, knowing that you have these young leaders on your team that you can count on, not just this year, but for years to come? Yeah. I mean, what's so nice is that they're respected by everyone on the team. And that's what's sometimes difficult for underclassmen leaders. Um, But they can hold people accountable um, and and do it in the right way because of how much respect everyone on the team has for that sophomore class and and what they've able been able to bring, you know, especially with Bell and KK, you know, a lot of times they're the voice. And let's be honest, like when the game starts, we don't have a lot of control as coaches. Yes, we can make decisions on who's going in and who's going out, but when it comes to the instinct and just that comfort level of of knowing where, you know, the right play and what play to make and having and being confident in it. Um, you know, that's where you got to let the players play. And I am so happy that we have some sophomores and juniors that have that leadership role um, that, you know, don't only lead on the field, but they lead off the field um, and, and everything that they do. And um, that's why, you know, they're able to hold people accountable too. You got an interesting home schedule. You know, we talked about some of the hard trips in the Sun Belt, but you do get um, Marshall at home, and they were a better team in the Sun Belt last year. You get UVA on a weeknight coming into Harrisonburg. You also have those two uh, weekend early season tournaments in Harrisonburg. Uh, so it, it seems like a good schedule in, in Harrisonburg that you don't have yeah. to travel to Florida for. Well, I'm flipping the coin. I'm not going to lie. We have never played in February in my entire career at JMU. And <laughs> – you know, Uh-oh. being away for the first four weekends, it's tough. I mean, it is tough. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm rolling a dice and, and, and hopefully, you know, it'll be in the forties. Um, you know, hopefully it'll be like this past weekend, <laughs> but, 
but you know, all the teams are from the Northeast, so they're used to the cold. It's actually us that's probably gonna um, not like it as much as them. But I, I just wanted to play at home some more, you know, and I wanted to play at home more in the preseason. So, um, you know, I got with our administration, and I was like, I want to have two tournaments. And uh, yes, there's basketball season going on as well, but you know, they're like, we understand because being away for four weekends um, is hard on a team. And with this season, again, you have the two tournaments at home and obviously earlier than normal. And there's the weather aspect that I think a lot of people don't take into account, which you touched on. Um, we'll just yeah. Hope. yeah, there's there's a reason the teams from the Northeast come down. Uh, they can't yeah. play at home. Um, but when you get into conference play, you know, what is, I, you know, I guess the easy answer is we want to win the conference. Um, but what is you know the definition of a successful season to the coaching staff and for the program we need to win the east Mm -hmm. and we need to be top two in order to get an at-large this is a multi-bid conference which is nice um you know last year lafayette and texas state you know and texas state got the at-large um but in order to do that you have to win some of the big games that are on our schedule you know you have to compete with south carolina and, and may you know even beat them try to beat them um, you need some of those quadrant one wins um, that'll help you, you know, when it comes to the selection committee, you know, we're going to Arizona state. So we get a shot at Arizona state. Um, we play Charlotte who's always in the top 15 RPI. So like we need to play well and we, we need to get some of those wins against those top 75 RPI teams. Um, so that if we don't beat out Lafayette in the tournament, we have a shot at getting in at large. So that's kind of, you know, the goal to, fin- to win the East, um, finish top two, um, and, and put ourselves in a position to, to get an at-large because that tournament is hard to win. It's all single elimination. you got to be hot at the right time. Um, you got to be healthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you can set yourself up throughout the season, it, it helps a little bit. All right, so like usual, getting out of here, a, a non-softball question. I, I know recruiting and all that dominates your life, but I would hope there was at least <laughs> some home time here around the holidays where you got to, you know, binge watch or go see a movie or read something. What what entertainment <laughs> did you take in recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, Do things with your kids that – um. You probably say all the time, oh, I don't feel like doing that. But just you don't get time back, especially, yeah. I mean, you know, Leland, yeah. uh, having young kids and just the joy, um, you know, of seeing them at the trampoline park and, and going to Massanutten. And I took holding ice skating at Bridgewater, just me and him. Um, was there like, was there that one guy there that's just so awesome at ice skating? Trampling everybody there then too, because that's what we had when we went a couple weeks ago. No, there, well, there was some good kids. Um, but that's good. I actually got on skates and I was a little nervous because I'm like, I can't get hurt for season. I can't get hurt for season. Um, but I actually was better than I thought because I hadn't been on ice skates in probably 20 years. I mean, since I was yeah. a teenager. Um, but it was actually a lot of fun. It was just me and him. So it's like, you know, we do a lot as a family, you know, of four. Um, but to kind of do some one-on-one things with the kid, you know, kids, especially Holden, um, has been good over December and January because quite frankly, you know, the next week I'm, I'm gone every single weekend. Um, so just try not to say, you know, even five years from now, I wish I would have done more or the time goes by so fast and, 
trying to like almost put myself five years ahead and be like, I'm so glad I did this with him. Um, Cause honestly he's eight and this is stuff that he'll remember. My three-year-old probably won't remember that as much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, they're in a, they're in a memory space and they remember what you do with them. Um, so just doing things outside the box a little bit. And I thought I had set you up for the, uh, you know, the, the new Bluey episodes on Disney plus. That's what no, I, we, I was You thinking. know, we don't do that. Bluey. Hey, is not good for you. Market. Yeah. It's good not, for you. you know, it's so big, but it's just not, my kids just don't really watch it. Good for you. <laughs> I, I don't mind Bluey. I, out of the, out of the standards, but Hey, good for you. Oh, yeah, you've been one Peppa more thing the, out. <laughs> the big one for my three-year-old, which I can't uh, stand Peppa Pig, but well, she likes it. <laughs> so the trade-off isn't great, but that's fine. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you guys. Well, coach, yeah. Thanks for coming on with us. Uh, we look forward to talking to you down the road too. We'll be cheering you on all year. Yeah. And uh, good luck on all the, thank on you. those early, all early season trips yeah. around the country, but at least you get a couple at home. That'll be good. Yes, for sure. <laughs> all right joe now that we've got all the important stuff out of the way let's uh circle back catch up with some of the boys sports uh, and and go to the high school basketball talk uh we expected Stuart draft and stanton to have big weeks last week uh with what was coming on at them at the schedule it seemed like handleable weeks and they did it was very take care of business week uh, where Stewart's draft, they knock off LeRae, which is a 2B opponent, and then Riverheads and Waynesboro. Stanton knocks off Waynesboro, Riverheads, and Gap. Uh, and it sets up for a week where, you know, Stewart's draft is going to have to play Fort Defiance, who's come alive. And then they have to play Fort, uh, excuse me, Stanton on Friday in the big showdown of currently undefeated teams in the Shenandoah district. So uh, a big week for Stewart's draft. And uh, all for this showdown, uh, you know, we get Stanton uh, in showdowns this, or we get Stanton in the showdown with Stewart's draft to kind of pair with that girls matchup of Buffalo Gap and Wilson. But it's going to be a big one. Both these teams still undefeated in the Shenandoah district. And honestly, I expect them to be when they do play on Friday. Yeah, I, I think for Stewart's draft, the tough part is the weather really did them no favors earlier in the year because now the right. Fort Defiance game and the Stanton game are back to back. That's right. that's tough. Those are two really good teams. I do think they'll probably beat Fort, um, but the Stanton game is going to be tough coming on a back-to-back against Fort. And if Fort picks them off, man, that's a quick turnaround to try to get your head yeah. right for, for a team that has just been absolutely lights out on defense. I mean, this is a Stanton team that one team scored above 30 points this week against them, and that team barely cracked 40. So... This is a Stanton team that it's going to be hard to score against. I do worry about that for Stewart's draft this week. Uh, but I think the the bigger test for, for Stanton is that game on Tuesday. Um, obviously, you want to win the district, and beating Stewart's draft helps that. But as I've touched on and I guess alluded to, I think there's going to be a lot of factors in that game that will be an advantage for Stanton before tip-off ever happens. Um, but that Tuesday game against Broadway is is a massive kind of measuring stick game for the Stanton Storm. Yeah, I mean, they haven't really fared that well against the three C teams that they've taken on this mm-hmm. year. And so you want to see a sign of improvement yep. when you see that matchup come along the way. We're talking about a Broadway team that's 14-4 and four and 11-3 and three in the Valley District, which I that 11-3 might not be right. These district sites aren't always right, but they're a very good team. 
and minimal losses on the season. And yeah, it's going to be a very interesting matchup where you want to see that growth out of Stanton, where you've, you've seen them with those tight losses. They haven't lost any big games. They've lost tight games. You want to see them overcome. And this is a game that Stanton only lost by six the last time they played. You know, can they improve on that, find the victory this week at uh, at Broadway? So I, I, I agree. A big week for Stanton when you're talking non-district and district and what their bigger goals, I think that Broadway game definitely will tell a big story. Yeah, I think so too. I also really commend Stanton. That defense has picked up. And when you get in those games like last week, I mean – we, we say it here on the podcast, but you, those players look at the schedule and they know what they got coming to. I love that the defense didn't take any nights off. I love that they kept their focus and and kept teams that aren't playing at their level not even close. You know, got them out of the ball games early, got out of there. Uh, you know, credit to Coach Mickens. That's the type of coach he is. He's a night in, night out kind of coach. You know, he's not looking ahead. He had them focused. And so I like the signs of, of what they have there. So. I, I'm really excited about these boys games this week. Um, you know, Wilson losing to Fort last week, I feel kind of drops them back another step. Uh, they're all the way back at four and three in the district. And, and it wasn't a, really a close game that they lost to Fort Defiance. And I think Fort Defiance, I, that more, more of that showed to me is that Fort Defiance is coming alive. They won five of six. This is kind of what I talked about, what Coach Gale did at his previous stops where Early in the season, the, the team kind of had to figure out what they were, and then they'd get rolling. I think we're seeing signs of that here. Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that's going to add up to a long postseason run, but I like that 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 that's there. That's something we can look for in the future, um, and, and they're starting to understand what they are in this offense. So uh, credit to Fort Defiance with that big game against Wilson. They'll have opportunity to get through a draft this week. They'll get other matchups against those top teams again, too. But, you know, credit to Mike Gale, you know, holding steady and and getting in that team where he wants them. Yep. Uh, moving to the college side for Virginia Tech. Uh, two wins going into tonight's game against Duke, and it was just a game they never uh, really, toward the end of the game, I, I checked the score. I was doing other stuff tonight, so I didn't watch it. I'll get your opinion because I know you yeah. were. But yeah. I, that's I kind of it. what I thought was going to happen was they would lose by somewhere in the double digit range. Yeah. Early they were up, but they were just on fire, just coming out the gate. They had that emotion and they were up. Uh, I think they were, you know, made three out of their first four shots. The defense was really on fire and they had that little bit of lead, but that evaporated quickly. And then Duke established like an eight, 10 point lead. And then tech really could never, bite into that and then keep going. I mean, they'd get it down to, I think like six, I'm not sure if it was any closer than six at any given point in the second half. Uh, And then, and then their Duke would get like two straight three pointers or something like that. So uh, yeah, I, I was hoping for better. Uh, They had beat Duke five of the last six times in Blacksburg or away from Durham or whatever that set is, but you know, good success against Duke uh, with Duke, not at home. And so I, I was hopeful some of that would carry, um, you know, Collins had a good night shooting, but then when he kind of dropped off, uh, no one really stepped up in this game. Now we've had it other games and it's, it's not always the same guys doing the score. I mean, Padula's kind of been the more common answer, uh, but Collins stepping up was nice. They, if, since that couldn't continue, it would have been nice if someone stepped in and, and took that back over. I was hoping for nickel to have maybe a little bit bigger of a night, um, you know, having played, in that Duke UNC rivalry down in Chapel Hill, uh, you know, 
not being taken back by Duke. And I, I will say, I, I don't say that in a way that like, I think our players are scared. To. I think we're kind of beyond that. I think, um, I think that that name on the Jersey doesn't scare uh, our players. Like maybe it used to, where it seemed to rattle us and maybe, maybe we won games because it rattled us and it, it got had a focus, but it, it seemed like we were playing normal ball came out ready to go, but still, it was still our brand of basketball. We didn't, you know, bring in football players to play this game or something like that. It was, it was still our brand. It was still what we were doing. Um, it just wasn't enough tonight against, you know, a top 10 team in the nation. Um, I will say that on the same note though, I, I don't know. I have yet, I guess I haven't watched UConn. I really haven't watched UConn, but I have yet to just be impressed with college basketball teams this year. Like, Oh, that team's really good. I'm going to have them deep in my bracket kind of thing. I know some of the teams I've watched are going to be deep in the bracket, but I just haven't been that impressed with, with standouts. I know you and they keep telling me UNC so great. I keep watching them and like they win, but I was not impressed. So I, I think Duke, I put in that same area where that's the reason I thought we could beat them tonight. I thought the Hokies could knock them off. So I just haven't been that impressed with them, but Hey, they came out and got the victory and, uh, I definitely take this as a, an example of the, I think the ACC is tough. I don't think it's just the worst league ever. I, I just don't get like the, how we're quick we are to that. Maybe it's not as strong as ever. Maybe it's not, you know, as deep as ever. I just like for us to only get like three teams in the, in the bracket seems like a little odd to say right now. I, I don't know. I think we're stronger than that overall. Well, and I, I feel like you and I have this conversation all the time. It, yeah, the ACC gets crapped on by the committee, by the media on the lead up. And then when they get in the tournament, they do damage. And I'm like, OK, yeah. well, maybe maybe next year we remember this like, oh, hey, yeah. maybe these teams are good. Maybe it's it doesn't need to be Duke and North Carolina running the show, although this year it appears to be Duke and North this Carolina. This year it is. Um, They're still crapping on us. Yeah. Um, but it's I agree with you in that sense. I think the the demise of the ACC is a little overstated, um, but. I'll also say, like the uh, just like football now, the SEC is getting in a ton of love in basketball, and that's a conference that I watch, and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, and maybe yeah, that's I've what you're talking about. Watched a lot of SEC too, and I I've, agree. I watched yeah. some this weekend with Kentucky and Arkansas, and for the longest time, Kentucky almost lost that game, and I was like, this is and not Arkansas's a game. Arkansas's not good. No, I was like, this is not a game you should be losing. And so now, when it happens in the SEC, it's because of depth and just everybody's so great. <laughs> yes. But when it happens in the ACC, they're garbage. And again, you, this is where I do buy, and I think there is some credence to the the grumbling of ESPN is out to get certain conferences because I know they've got to deal with the ACC, but damn, if they don't take a shot at them every chance I, they I, get. I, I agree. The SEC, they do. You the would SEC never know they're in business loved. with the ACC. The, way the they SEC talk about is loved. They love the SEC. If they could, they would just put the SEC on every freaking night. They like, have that channel. We don't need that on ESPN. We could just be honest about what oh we're seeing. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you. Yeah. It's, it, is, it is weird to me when you look at just two conferences. And look, I'll say it. In football, yes, the SEC top to bottom is probably better than the ACC for the past 20 years, every single one of them. But in basketball, yeah. it's not that case. And for no. for the the line to be, you know, oh, look at how deep the SEC is. Look how many good basketball teams there are. And then you look at the ACC when a team upsets another team and, or goes on a run. It's like, well, that's just proof. The ACC is not very good this year. And I'm just like, I, okay. Yeah. 
I don't know. This is a this is a Miami team that was in the Final Four last year. I guess we're going to crap on them. Yeah. North Carolina yeah, was in the championship. Is. I guess we're going to crap on them. Duke Duke is you know the blue blood program in the country. I guess we're going to crap on them. Like I, I don't. It's because like it. Louisville's not good. We're a bad conference. Like come on. Yeah, was Louisville expected to be good this year? No. So no. they're Louisville. They're they are what we thought they were. To quote Denny Green, like. Yeah, there are other teams that are good. NC State's good this year, and it's just like, well, maybe they're good because the conference sucks. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, I, I guess I was in a coma, or everyone that worked at ESPN was in a coma. (laughs) One of us was in a coma and dreaming about. Either I was dreaming that Miami was in the Final Four, or they were in a coma and didn't see it because maybe they were dreaming Kentucky, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and. Whoever else, Arkansas, we're just in the final four, and it was an amazing SEC final four last year. Yeah. The women's ACC, the SEC basketball, like at the top's real good. I mean, you got South Carolina and LSU, but like. It, it, yeah, but I have a feeling we're going to hear about how good Mississippi State is now and not LSU's disappointing, and maybe the SEC's overrated. I have a feeling that's how that's going to get spun. Yeah, I'm not. I, I was happy with Mississippi State. Um, Something about that I was going to say, but I lost it. Um, the UVA men, I, I hope the, you know, the townspeople with their burning branches and, you know, the big stump, the big tree log to knock in the door of Tony Bennett to, you know, drag him out and fire him. Uh, I hope they've calmed down. They've won four straight. They're back in the top three of the ACC here. They're sitting right behind Duke, North Carolina. Like, I hope, I hope those people have calmed down. I hope those people, you know, actually get held accountable for things that they've said. That's what I really hope is because <laughs> I I'm here. I'm you're they're forcing me to defend Tony Bennett, which is the most ridiculous thing. The heck with Tony Bennett. I hope he never coaches another game at UVA, but he will. And he's going to keep winning. And that's what stinks. That's why I don't want him there. And uh, yeah, they're just, they're back to it. They beat NC state solid win. They beat Louisville, not as solid, but still that's adding up to four straight wins. They got Notre Dame, Notre Dame and Clemson this week. They're going to win both of those. They're going to have one six straight games by the end of next week, by the time we talk again. So, like, just maybe people just need to calm down. Just a, a touch. I agree. I, I think that, I, when I'm defending UVA basketball. Yeah, when, they, something's wrong. when the people were losing their minds about it, I, I we sat here on the podcast and we're like, uh, calm down. Um, and they've won yeah, four they straight. Did. They appear to be okay and have righted the ship. I imagine they'll be in the tournament uh, unless yeah. – the committee gets unless, unless the committee so we get puts three in, in or, you know yeah unless you know all 16 teams from the sec get in but which <laughs> yeah, if espn it's gonna be the if ESPN sec softball it, tournament bracket <laughs> yeah, if espn got to in. be on the committee they'll, they'll do their best to make sure it happens but. <laughs> the jmu men uh really needed to go down to appy state and find a win they had lost appy state at home uh and they didn't they go down to appy state they lose 82 to 76. Uh, that was after they beat ODU during the week. And so they're just going to be sitting behind there. They're going to be a two, three, or four seed going into the Sun Belt. I think they should be able to hold on to a two or three. That means they probably wouldn't see Appy State again until the championship game. Um, but they're going to have to kind of take care of business here. You got Coastal Carolina this week uh, at home. You got ODU at home, a team you just beat on the road. So, uh, JMU just needs to kind of stay in that two, three range to give themselves that best opportunity. As, as coach Laporte was saying, do what it takes during the regular season to set yourself up for success in the postseason. That that's what they need to do. This is a team that started off really hot at the beginning of the year. Um, 
but it's still, this isn't a multi-big league. So um, even if you're sitting there at the two seed, there, there's no guarantees you're going to get in that tournament unless you win that Sunbelt. So uh, that's where they're at. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right about that. Um... There's some JMU players I don't, I don't enjoy their game. I watched them twice yeah. in the last two weeks. And there's some guys that I, I don't, I don't enjoy them. Yeah. I, the app state game was on where I was on Saturday and it just, that was a game where I just felt like kind of like you said with the tech game, they never really felt like they were going to be in that, win that game. They, they were like yeah. not getting blown out as much as tech was tonight, I guess at certain points, but they were like, just not, if I was an Appalachian state fan at no point would I have been worried. And as a JMU yeah. fan watching it at no point was I like, Oh, this is where we come back. I was just like, all yeah. right. I just feel like we're waiting for Appalachian state to yep. make another shot here. I agree. All right. Uh, is there anything football to talk about? Anything going on with NFL football? I didn't even think we were playing football with, you know, all the problems in the world going on. I, I thought we had agreed. <laughs> we're not playing football anymore. Let's start with the game that you cared about most. Uh, weeks ago, when everybody in the media was proclaiming Baltimore was destined for a Super Bowl, and even Joe Deck was buying into that hype, which I would too. If, I, if they were saying about the Steelers, I'd buy into it too. Uh, I took the field. And it took until this last game before the Super Bowl for it to come true. But Baltimore does get knocked out. Uh, the Chiefs win uh, a 17-7 to game in 17-10. to Only three points scored in the second half. And uh, it made me happy. How, how did you feel? <laughs> yeah. I... Was it as bad as when the Orioles got swept? No. Um, but it was bad. I, here's the thing. I watched that entire game and I still leave the game thinking we're better than the Kansas city chiefs. The Kansas city chiefs didn't beat us. We beat ourselves. We had three turnovers and Did still beat yourselves. almost yeah. won that game. And there were some, yeah. there were some calls that I was like, all right, what the hell are we doing? But there was the taunting penalty. I get it. It's taunting. Um, I, I have a problem with that being called and Travis Kelsey getting in our players' faces every time he get, makes a catch, not being called once. In fact, we got called for a penalty when Travis Kelsey shoved our guy and our linebacker comes up to say something to him. That's a penalty. Um, but, you know, that's on Lamar for not dating Beyonce, I guess. So, whatever. Um, but talking about Lamar, I've said this before and you get on me about it whenever the Ravens are a one seed and are doing well, <laughs> but I'm proven right again. I, I just don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl. And I, I'm not saying I he's a he bad quarterback. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. I think he's a great quarterback. Dan Marino is a great quarterback. He never won a Super Bowl. But when Lamar gets in these playoff games, there's just too many times where I'm sitting there. I'm going, I don't know what you were thinking on that play. And it wasn't all Lamar's fault in this game. I mean, Flowers fumbling at the one-yard line really hurt. Um, I'm just glad it was blatant. I'm glad that wasn't, you know, what micro-second stopping the ball and the goal line. It was clear. It It was was a a clear fumble. fumble. Because as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, no. If this is a gray area, I'll never hear the end of it. So I was happy about that. Yeah, it was definitely a fumble. Um and then, but, you know, I feel bad for the defense. The defense balled out in the second half. Yeah. 
John Harbaugh hit the nail. Points. John Harbaugh hit the nail on the head when he was going in the locker room. He goes, uh, you know, we did a lot better in that second half. I think we figured him out. And we did. We figured him out. But yeah. we could not, for the life of us, put points on the board. And some of that is Lamar not seeing open receivers, and he runs. Some of that is Lamar Jackson is the only player or only human being in the stadium, apparently, who didn't realize on third down the Chiefs are about to blitz. And so he would just stand there in the pocket and wait for it to get to him and try to run away and run around. We'd lose 30 seconds for him to decide to finally throw the ball away or run it for two yards. Or he would just take off and and not see the open receivers. He wouldn't hit receivers. He'd throw it into the end zone, into triple coverage. That was the one that was unforgivable. When you throw it into triple coverage in the end zone, when we just need a field goal there to keep the game alive, and you throw it into the end zone, and it's picked off, and I was just like, God, you just can't have that. And then to lose the game because Scantlin, you know, falling on his back makes a catch for the first time all year is – heartbreaking because that's a guy who led the league in drops. It felt like, and (laughs) and he makes that catch. And I was just like, well, I guess we're screwed. Uh, But yeah, I just, I don't know. We, we definitely beat ourselves. The, the strip sack that Lamar had too was another example of him. Just no awareness, zero. Um, and I feel bad. Look, if Kyle Hamilton was 35, I'd write him in for president. Like, that guy was everywhere. He was amazing. Um, How's he feel about, you know, government-provided health care? I don't know. Sometimes it's better not to ask. <laughs> Sometimes when it, comes to, when it comes to athletes, it's better not to ask. Just Where's the stand on the issues, Joe? I don't know. <laughs> he's not he's not I, 80 years old so i guess i'll vote <laughs> that's a plus um yeah i mean i i came into it at 77 so i only saw three points in that game it was a defensive battle for what i watched i the third downs were terrible i saw the stat of what i missed and then i watched it going forward yeah third downs were terrible i i was surprised with what eight minutes to go it was like the ravens particularly lamar didn't really it was like they were just hoping for hope and it's Hail Mary kind of play time. When you're down two scores, how often in the NFL do we watch teams down two scores on a Sunday afternoon, tie the game and go to overtime or, or win the darn game? So, like, it just seemed weird. I, I related it to Essex. I talked to another Riverheads fan that said the same thing independently. Like, man, that purple team looked like a lot of purple teams we've seen come to Greenville and not realize they have a better chance than what they had or, or Riverheads on the road there. So, like, just the throwing of the helmets and damaging your hands because you're throwing a fit on the sideline and the taunting at the time it was, whether there was other taunting's fine, but that was taunting too. Like, it just it seemed it just seemed familiar at a higher level, much, much better, higher level of play, but same kind of attitude where they I think they could have been in that ball game. And so it, it I don't know, it it didn't bother me seeing it, but uh it's not what I would want to see if I'm a Ravens fan, for sure. Yeah, um, and, and that leads some us some avoidable the, penalties. They were, and it leads us into the NFC game, I guess. And I will say, I my mind was made up pretty early. I went from not hating the Chiefs to very strongly hating the Chiefs in the span of about ten minutes in that game. Um, <laughs> before the game even starts, Travis Kelsey is messing with Justin Tucker. Stuff yeah, that was and, weird. And I have never seen a team gripe more about officiating outside of the city of Winchester 
outside of the city of Winchester in my life. I'm talking about life. (laughs) I mean, that is Hanley level complaining about officiating there. We're just every time you haven't been to too many basketball games on Swope. (laughs) No, I haven't. But any time, any time they didn't get a call that they thought they should get. Just over there talking to the official. Anytime Patrick Mahomes got hit, what? where's the flag? Yeah. Where's the flag? I was like, brother. But even that helmet-to-helmet late, like, they call that every week. I know they call that every week. My my problem that with that week. call is that's a height. At those two players' heights, what do you want him to do? Because yeah, that, they kept that's saying – That's where the helmet-to-helmet, they kept there's saying a lot of that. They're where, hitting, what do you want him he's, to do? He's yeah. initiating contact in his head. And I was like, his hands are hitting his chest. There's nowhere else for his hands to go that is legal. I, he can't help it that his height leads his head to his head. That's sorry. Like, I don't. Now, when it's that so flag was thrown, I was frustrated, but I was also like, whatever. Um, the other yeah, thing that was weird that penalty weekly was it was an intentional offside. I have never seen that called 15 yards before. When he a player, up, though he knocked him over. When a he player shoves him and knocked him back. When a player shoves a lineman, it's always been five yards encroachment. I've never seen it be fifteen. That was bizarre. He could easily have gone through there with less contact. And then we get called for fifteen yard penalty because the game was already because over Taylor Swift one. is on the other team. So uh, whatever. Mm. I I'm done. I'm done with the Taylor Swift talk. It has nothing nothing about anything has to do with uh, Taylor I'm telling you what. I'm on. I'm. Did you see the quarterback number fifteen, Patrick Mahomes? I think he might have more to do with it than Taylor Swift. He sucked in the. I think the guy that continually takes his team to the Super Bowl before Taylor Swift was ever around might have something to do with it. I think the guy that makes the game-winning plays all the time, even when they don't win games, he's still making game-winning plays. Might have something to do with it. No. I think Patrick Mahomes just might be better than Lamar Jackson. I'm I'm pretty sure that's blatant. I think like I think the better quarterback won. No. Um, Taylor Swift. I'm just sick of the Taylor Swift talk because it's it's useless. It's just useless. And you're saying it in jazz, like you're saying it with like a half smile, like you're. But like people seriously sit on TV on ESPN all day and like bring this crap up, and it's so irrelevant. It doesn't matter. And I don't care where she's gonna play a concert before the Super Bowl. I don't care. Well, it isn't. I don't care. I don't care if she's gonna make it on time. She will. It'll be fine. They'll probably delay the Super Bowl if they have to. I don't care. I don't care. In the NFC, uh, the Lions gave me a brief moment that I would have someone to root for in that game, and then they forgot how to use their hands. Um, Honestly, that that is some – there was a moment where uh, a cousin of mine who is a Lions fan, our group text was exploding. Um, Again, it was exploding a lot during the Ravens game too, Um, and there was things that will be kept in that group chat. But – it was exploding again during the Lions game. And I did tell my cousin at one point, I was like, honestly, I don't know why your wide receivers have hands. I to, to see some of those drops yeah. that, and I know people are really like, Oh, how can you go for it on that play? Okay. If the receiver catch just ball. catches awesome. it, it's right. It's the right call. If the receiver yeah. just catches it, we're not having this conversation. Especially the second, fourth game. Oh, the second, fourth game, you absolutely <laughs> go for it. I don't get why people are ripping this guy apart. He's done it all season. He kept doing what he's doing. I was, I was saying to you as the game was getting close, I was going to text you and be like, he better not start yeah. picking it. Like he's got to go for it. And he did. He did. I get the, I understand the logic of, 
you kicked it and went up by three scores. And then with less time, you chose not to. I understand the logic of what you're saying, but the yardage makes a difference. Yeah. And I, that's who he is. That's what he is. And if they just make one of those two plays, they probably win that game. Definitely both of them, but like it was execution. It wasn't, it wasn't about the play call. It was about execution. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I felt, you know, I also did laugh at on the onside kick. And I know there's talk on whether the ball had gone 10 yards yet or not. It doesn't matter because the lions up, man, it just, at first I thought it hit him in the helmet and then they show the replay and it hits his hands and just like the entire game, hits his hands, and then rockets away from the Lions player. <laughs> and I was just like, that's pretty poetic on yeah, how this game It doesn't even bounce. It's just like, away. bang. Yeah. Like, just shoots away, and the 49ers get it. And I was like, yeah. that's about right. Um, I had investments uh, with the Chiefs and the Lions, a together investment. You know, some might call it a parlay. Uh, that was going to be really nice. Uh, so I was pretty happy at halftime. I was pretty happy in the first half. Now, I did win – the Niners got down by 14. I said, this is early. I'm going to go ahead while I have the opportunity for a cheap price. I'm going to protect my bets for the weekend. So I still finished up on the weekend, yeah. but I could have finished, you know, Golden Corral dinner up uh, if, uh, wow. if things would have gone right. So uh, it didn't go that way. Um, it sets up a Super Bowl here. 49ers, Chiefs, you know, it'll, it'll be highly hyped. For good reason. This is these are two uh, organizations that have great history. Chiefs, particularly recently, uh, the 49ers forever and pretty consistently. Um, I, I don't know. I if it was the Lions in there, I'd be rooting for the Lions. Absolutely, like most of America would. That's fine. I I don't know. My boss is a Chiefs fan, and I like him. But the Chiefs are a really hard team to like right now. <laughs> It reminds me of the Warriors when they got good and they had Steph Curry and the arena and the playoffs was loud out there in Oakland and it was fun to watch. But then they like get into adding Draymond and Draymond starts being Draymond and then they get really cocky and even Steph gets a little full of himself. And then you're all of a sudden like, I don't enjoy these guys anymore. That's, I mean, that's how I feel about the Chiefs. They're so, so used to winning so confident with it that when something goes wrong they're crying about the calls as we saw um in this game and other games like they're not easy to like but i don't know what's pulling me into the 49ers either i i i don't think purdy is the worst quarterback ever i don't think he's as good as he looked yesterday either i don't think he's you know what was he within 10 yards of rushing of lamar jackson that's not the quarterback he is that's what the defense allowed him to do i i don't know i'm not big on the 49ers for some reason right now i don't know why uh, I'm not either, but I'll root for him. Yeah. That's easy. I, I will root for the 49ers. I don't love them. I'm going to hate watch the Super Bowl, but I hope they I win. did. I, I said, and I can't say true. I said, whatever this opens, I'm taking the dog money line immediately because either team can win this game. Yeah, I, I just. I'll see how the bets go from there, though. Right. Um, I don't even like the halftime. I don't hate Usher, but. Like when they oh. said Usher was doing the halftime, I was just like, eh. I'm going to warn you if you're in the, you know, v- vocal presence of my wife between now and the Super Bowl or even after, just keep that to yourself. 
She's a big Usher fan. That's fine. It's, it's, I don't. It's dated don't, back a long time. Just keep it to yourself. I don't dislike Usher. I just it doesn't <laughs> move the needle for me. We've been showing the kids. We're trying to like you know this is who Usher because Stephanie's a big fan of him. So you're like here here's what he does. This is the kind of show he puts on and stuff. So we've been showing them. Um, what is it? Reba's doing something. She's like Anthem, isn't she? Great. That's another person I just have no idea. Yeah, Reba's overrated for me. Um, that's a post right. Malone is seen in something, so I guess I'll have his auto tune out, out there. Okay, Ugh. yeah, this is no Chris Stapleton anthem. This I year. just I don't know. This is like the worst Super Bowl for me, and this is like we talked about. Oh, last this week. is not the worst Super Bowl for me. The worst mm-hmm. Super Bowl is Giants Ravens. That was oh no, that was that was good. oh my God. that was a good Super Ugh. Bowl. Um, Giants Ravens. But and that's like okay. Well, you're a Patriots, Cowboys fan. Never mind. I was Patriots, gonna say that's Giants. gotta be like Steelers Cowboys for you, but you're you love the Cowboys. Uh, so. pa- Patriots Giants was pretty bad, I guess. Patriots um, Giants twice was bad, yeah. Yeah, but no Ravens was. Ugh, it was um, uh, but all right, yeah. Go like, ahead, make your point. Then I got something. They're different. they're in Las Vegas. So many acts you think they could get that would be exciting, and it's just. Uh, it's just a blast Super Bowl, and the commercials I, are gonna suck. I'm gonna I'm gonna hate every minute of watching this Super yeah, Bowl. We, we don't, I'm not gonna even talk about the commercials again. Like you're bringing it up, I'm not. I, we're, I'm I'm over it. I said this last year at the Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm done talking about the commercials because they're not a thing anymore. It's not a thing. Um, I think Usher is a very CBS choice of halftime. This is the network that keeps giving us LL Cool J anywhere and everywhere they can give I us. I would have preferred LL, LL Cool, cool J. J. I wouldn't. <laughs> I would have preferred I think, LL Cool J. I, I have opinions about LL Cool J. I'm going to leave him alone for this. That's fine. We can talk about it some other time. But I just, I just wouldn't. I don't, I don't, I don't need CBS's. I just, I don't need. I will get CBS, leave CBS um, being the number one rated network is bizarre to me. Because every show, because I, old people die with I, the network. On. I think that's I I, honestly, I do. I think people just fall asleep with CBS on, <laughs> yes. and it just stays on. Like yes. there's no way because they're like the number one rated comedy, the number yes. one rated drama, no, the neighborhood with Cedric the Entertainer and Schmidt. You want to know, you know a both fun guys fact? that were much better in previous things together here for something bad. Kevin James and something. I didn't rehashed. even know Cedric the like, Entertainer is, was CBS still doing shows. Is you used to be a good on a good comedy somewhere else, and now this is your retirement show. Like this, it's no, 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 no. Since Raymond, there hasn't been anything worth watching. I didn't even know Cedric the Entertainer was still doing stuff with Schmidt. Yeah, he's on the one show, the oh, one comedy that they, that they say is so great. I just for so many, and it was like. What was the other thing? There was something else that was like being advertised. It was like the second season of, and me and my buddy on the couch were like, I didn't know there was a first season. Like, and this is, you know, this highly rated show. And I was like, okay. I feel like I'm not that cowboy fireman or the prison fireman. Is that what it is? Maybe. There's a ton of fire shows. They show, they show edited versions of Yellowstone on this network. Like that's how desperate they are for entertainment forest fire they don't have anything that's good they're like well then let's let's get the best thing let's get something better which i'm not huge on yellowstone but obviously it is better than anything on cbs and we'll take out all the stuff we can't show on on uh broadcast tv and that'll still be better than anything we can produce 
It is though, and that's the thing. It is. Like, I agree. That, it is. I don't know. Bronson Hart. It was Bronson Hart. College basketball on NCAA. On, I don't on know. Bronson Hart. Somebody or something. Hearts. I don't. Their heart. A, a physical like drawing of a heart was in the title of the show. And oh, I was like, that's one of those. That's what I'm he saying. Was, that's wait, that the was the one that was on the show with Melissa McCarthy previously mm-hmm. on CBS. And this is his retirement show, dude. It's like, I'm telling you, it's a, that's formula. the one where there's a second season. Cause I was like, I didn't know that thing existed. That's probably more than two seasons. Isn't it? I, I was, my life was better when I didn't know it existed. <laughs> like, I just like, since everybody loves Raymond, there hadn't been anything more of the crap. And like, maybe the first two seasons of Kevin James is, uh, um, back then, the show back then, not as rehashed King of stuff Queens. or his second rehash stuff. King of the Queens, King of Queens. Is, no, maybe early King of Queens, but like Pass. once it got bad quick. Pass. Raymond can be funny. Survivor. Um, I'm not into that either. My my parents are. Um. Okay, so I I, I watched the game. I knew I was going to be able to watch three quarters of the football presented to us on sat on Sunday. So I watched it with you in mind and what we talked about last week, the anti Romo, the positive Greg Olson. I was probably hard on Greg Olson last week is what I got told. So I went into it with kind of fresh ears Mm -hmm. and wanted this. I was already agreeing with you with Romo. He didn't help himself any. Nope. Greg Olson does do a good job. I do agree with you. He does do a good job. I think what I was trying to say last week, I'm just not used to Fox's crew being, Make, give me that feeling that this is a big ball game. But when I listen to Greg Olson, he is so quick to really give you pretty solid depth of uh, strategic and cover to defense. Like he's quickly, concisely saying this stuff. So me who gets it at least a little bit, you know, I, I've, I've watched some football. I've been coached in football. I understand the game to a degree enough where I quickly get what he's saying, but it's not so much where somebody that doesn't care what a cover two is and won't don't, doesn't want to is going to get blocked out by that. And honestly, every time Tony, Tony Romo tries to explain on offense, why they're doing this to get this open, he uses more words than necessary to do that where Greg Olson doesn't. So I will commend Greg Olson on that. And I a hundred percent agree with the idea. I think you said it, but if not, I did see other people tweet it. Greg Olson should throw a hissy fit <laughs> and get either get someone else to pick him up for their number one broadcast. Uh, he should, Apparently, and he should be on CB, CBS's number CBS, one. Take over for Romo. I don't think that'll happen because Tony Romo has a big 10 year contract that he just signed not that long ago. But Chris Collinsworth is a uh, contract is up in after next season, I believe, or yeah. maybe the next, I think for the network that pushed, Al Michaels out of the booth, that could be an opening there. It could. And so I wonder if Greg Olson can maneuver things right. It might take him being in a number two booth for a year, but then jump into something like that or leave Fox early, throw the hissy fit, get out of there early and kind of sit and in waiting uh, for something at NBC. I think that'd be good. I don't think the prime job on Thursdays where Kirk Herb street is done after next year. Yeah. I, not worth waiting on that. I think that NBC job would be really interesting. Him and Tariqa could be pretty good. I think so too. I think that would be a great landing spot for him. I, I still think I, and you're right. There's the money aspect of how do you make it work with Romo? I would move Romo to a studio job. That's how I would spend that. I think, 
I think if CBS could move Romo, they would have moved Romo and Bob Brady in. I don't think they can move Romo. That's why I think they let him go to Fox. I think they can't pay Brady and Romo. I think that's why they didn't do that. I understand the logic of what you're saying for how much these networks are spending on football and then making on football. I, I there's a line though. A handcuff. There's a line somewhere where you have to stop hemorrhaging money on football. Then you're not going to put Romo. Then you're saying put Romo in the studio. You're not going to pay that much money for someone in the studio. I, I he's that bad. You'd still be paying them both. He's that bad. I would rather have him in the studio if I'm CBS. Yeah, he. I think someone on Twitter was talking about how he's a one-trick pony. Phil Sims and, and Boomer Esiason. Phil Sims and Boomer Esiason are the same person. Get rid of one of them and put Romo in their place. I don't. I don't watch those studio shows on his networks anyway. I don't care. I don't care. I, where I only watch it during the playoffs because I'm watching, and it's usually the first pregame show. And so I got a lot of them this week, which I didn't love. But I would push Phil Sims or Boomer Esiason goes, Romo goes in their spot, and I would put Greg Olson there with Jim Nance because then you have the best crew, bar none, in NFL. You'd have one of, if not the best play-by-play guy. I think you could make a case very easily for Jim Nance being the best play-by-play guy. I I think Buck and Aikman would still be in this conversation. They They would be in there, but I think Greg Olson is a better color commentator than Troy Aikman. I'm not saying Troy Aikman's bad. I just think Greg Olson's better. And I think Jim, Nance, I like Jim Nance more than Joe Buck and I don't hate Joe Buck, but um, I, I just think that's a better crew then. But right now, Tony if, Romo. If drags that crew Romo down. I'm, I'm up for anything. <laughs> Romo drags that crew down to where I don't, I don't have it above Fox. I don't have it above ESPN. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't, I don't know if I have it above NBC when Chris Collinsworth's on. I, I honestly, I think the biggest Jason thing hurting Garrett's Thursday on, night football. The maybe. biggest thing hurting Thursday night football is what the game they have. Al yeah. Michaels is still good enough, and I love Kirk Herbstreet, so I would put him behind them too. That's true. I, I think, but that's the just, only reason that that's Thursday all night Tony gets, Romo. Gets that's all Tony play. Romo. Jim Nance is great. Jim Nance is a great play-by-play guy, but when I listen to Tony Romo talk, I, it makes I'm I'm I have not decided. I'm hosting the Super Bowl party. I have not decided if the TV will be on during the game. <laughs> so you can, no, no, no. Just watch the, uh, we argued about this months ago. You can put the uh, Nickelodeon uh, splat or. Oh, that's true. We could watch the Slime Fest game on. You can put the Slime Fest game on. I think, I'm not sure who's doing commentary. That might be. <laughs> Nate Burleson still. probably. <laughs> well, whatever. I'd listen to anybody outside of Tony. <laughs> oh man. All right. Um, I guess that's it. We got, we'll talk more about softball. We got two weeks to talk about the Super Bowl, I guess. Um, yeah, you'd be, let's just get to the D block. Let's go. Um, last week, as we were talking, uh, we were talking about some of the information we learned about the tech schedule. And we said, you know, why do we need to know, uh, the schedule three days in a row? Why can't we just tell us all at once? I agree. But on Tuesday, we learned what made me the most upset about tech schedule. Virginia Tech plays Miami on a Friday night. I hate these Friday night games. And I hate that they're playing Miami. One of the games I care more about than most on a Friday night. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be at a high school game and I'm going to miss this game. And I hate that. And I, I, I wish college football in general would stay out of Friday night. I wish the ACC had more backbone than they do and could stay out of Friday night. 
But here we are playing one of Tech's top games of the year on the road on a Friday night. There'll be tens of people at that game in Coral Gables. There'll be tens of people. Uh, There might be more people at that high school football game I'm covering than what's at that game. I mean, it's just not, that's not high school. That's not college football. So we did learn that on, on Tuesday, but then Wednesday we get the whole schedule. Um, I don't mind how things play out with the Miami game on a Friday, which I hate. It gives them an extra day before their trip across the country, country to Stanford. And then they get a buy behind that uh, to get back into somewhat normal mode, but then they'll have a Thursday game against BC. So all that kind of gets spread out a little bit better. And then also they'll have the, you know, the longer week after BC. So that end of September, early October, they have plenty of rest between a long trip out West Stanford. Um, So I don't mind how that plays out. I'd I'd give up the Friday night for that, but I don't mind how that plays out. Uh, But otherwise like the, you know, there's not these super terrible stretches where you've got, you know, we don't play Miami, Clemson, and then UVA, like all in November, like we have had sometimes, you know, some kind of like run into the UVA game with all these hard games. So I, I overall don't mind how the schedule lays out. Having the two open weeks is handy. Yeah. One's getting used after the Stanford game. The other one is in November after the Clemson game before a Duke game, which could still be a tough game, but then yeah. it's Duke UVA. So I like that open week then. So I, overall, I don't mind the schedule. Uh, I circle the games I want to go to. I hope to make one of them. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like this schedule is very friendly uh, for a lot of the reasons you already touched on. I Tech needs to be undefeated going into that Miami game. Um, yes. If Miami's not better than they have been, they need to win that Miami game. And then you need to beat Stanford. You need Man. to. Be, if Miami is what Miami has been the past few years, you need to be undefeated going into the bye week. I, then, then you I, have Boston College after a bye at home. Boy, that better be a win. Georgia I Tech. Hope Matt has Ryan's been, not their quarterback. Yeah, Georgia Tech has been better. We'll see what they are. Uh, kind of that point in the season. The schedule lays out for us to have be really happy going into November. It does, because this is not, as I was saying, this is a very friendly schedule. It's not tough. Um, Clemson by Duke, ugh, maybe, I don't know. But the bye week being there really helps. But if um, we've racked up those wins before that stretch, yeah. like we, we could be sitting in a decent spot then where. I agree. I mean, you don't play Florida it's State. It's all losses and soul crushing. You don't play Florida State. You don't play NC State. That's yeah. a big, big help. Yep. So. I always look ahead at schedules. I was happy to have that now on the calendar. Um, and, and that'll be that. So that was dominating your life. It, yeah. It, you know, text football schedule does dominate my life. Yes. Okay. Do you just want to take yours and then I'll do mine? Cause it's kind of a combo. Okay. Uh, the, what I know that you need to know is something that you've heard on this podcast and goes with the theme of the podcast for the night. On Thursday last week, LSU women's basketball player, South Carolina women's basketball, and that was more rated than the Thursday night NBA game on TNT, which is a solid ratings get for TNT weekly. And I just thought that was a really cool thing to see, especially for us on this podcast who have said, and and it's repeating other people's wise words, 
if you put it on, people will watch it. And when you got LSU and South Carolina, people are going to watch it. And that, I, I, you know, I can't think of other than Duke, North Carolina, what college men's college ball basketball games that I would expect to outrank or outrate an NBA game on TNT on Thursday night. And so very impressed that they were doing that. Not surprised, impressed that it was out there. I was glad it got reported. I think we could see more of that. We've seen this. We've seen this with college basketball, with the hype that, that it had last year in the tournament. We know what Iowa has. We know everything about LSU and South Carolina. We know this. We're excited about Virginia Tech. But even in the other sports, I think you can get um, – I mean, we've seen softball, the highest-rated college uh, World Series games have been these last few years. And, of course, here locally, we like JMU. We have Coach Support on the podcast tonight. But even outside of that, they've been getting high ratings because they actually stuck them on times and on channels that people could find them and people watch it because it's, it is entertaining and fun. Like people, I don't know this attitude that people have that try to downgrade it because it's not, it's, it's entertaining and good. I, we don't need to, uh, you know, say compared to anything. It just is entertaining and good to watch. It's competitiveness. It's people performing at the highest level. It's great athletes performing that's all it is we don't have to you know categorize it more than that and so keep putting it on tv people keep watching it and uh i love seeing that ratings clip there yeah I, th- I thought it was great i was you know surprised as you were i think to see that put out there but when i saw it i was like well that's awesome because i think honestly I, regular season nba does not matter it is the most pointless exercise in sports. But those those games get decent ratings. I they mean, do. I, like, I don't, I don't get care it. if it matters or not. People watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people chose to watch that. Watch LSU South Carolina on Thursday, and that's awesome. Glad to see it. Yeah. Um. But but I th- the LSU South Carolina game kind of carries weight, whereas, again, to my point, like the Celtic Heat game doesn't. And and you're right. People still watch it. It's the NBA. People like the NBA. I. I can't get up for a regular season NBA game because I, I, as I just said, I think the regular season NBA is the most pointless exercise in all of sports, but um, it, it's an awesome game between two good programs with LSU and South Carolina. And yeah. um, if you just put it on a network that people can find yeah. at a time that's makes sense, yeah. it doesn't matter what else is on, if it's worth anything or not that college softball last every, every year, comes yeah. on during NBA playoff times. And those and got gets good ratings. I'm not sure if it outranked NBA playoffs, but it gets good ratings yeah. because people can find it and it's good. So yeah. it doesn't matter if nothing else is good, then they'll watch it. No, that's something that gets good ratings. Celtics Heat gets fine ratings. TNT is happy with their ratings week after week with that type of game on Thursday night. It got beat out by women's basketball. Awesome. Let's do some more of it. Yeah. And, and you know, you touched on it. Like, I think the only men's college basketball game that you would think if you said a men's college basketball game this year is going to outrate an NBA regular season game, you would say a, a big matchup in the NBA, by the way, with Celtics heat, a big rivalry. Yeah. Um, Duke yeah, Carolina. Yeah, yeah. Duke Carolina. And that's two teams that apparently suck. So, I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> they're in a that, terrible conference. Yeah. That it's amazing that LSU yeah. and South Carolina were able to overcome that. That's awesome. Um, and hope to see more of it. Um, so what is dominating my life and what I know that you need to know are kind of morphed into one thing on just a weekend of not great. Um, it, it started Friday. 
morning, I wake up to the news that Jurgen Klopp has announced that he's not going to coach <laughs> at the end of the year. He's leaving at the end of the year for uh, what, from Liverpool. What did I message you? <laughs> yeah, you said, oh, crap, we're going to talk about soccer. And, <laughs> and yeah, we are. And it was, honestly, it was such a terrible way to, like, start the day where, like, I see that and I'm like, oh, God. Because I I just love everything with this Liverpool team. And, and honestly, like, I became a Liverpool fan because of Jurgen Klopp. Because he has been able to just, he had a an energy about him that made watching him exciting. And then made watching the games exciting. He played an exciting style of football. He wasn't, or soccer. Uh, he wasn't one of uh, these people that would sit there and just sit on the ball and take the air out of it as soon as he got a goal and just stop trying to play soccer. He's when he came to Liverpool, he said, I play a rock and roll brand of uh, he called it football. Uh, and it was it was just up and down the field every single time. And uh, if I can, I'm going to read from the men and blazers podcast, which if you are soccer curious, I highly recommend um, because it, they do it in a funny way. Um, and this person who writes, this is an Everton fan, which is the one of the rivals of Liverpool. In fact, Liverpool is Everton's biggest rival. Um, but he said, like you, I woke up at five fifty AM to the stunning news that Jurgen Klopp is leaving Liverpool. My phone blew up. I immediately turned on to a WhatsApp group filled with heartbroken Liverpool fans losing their minds. One warned, it feels like when a truly beloved Pope passes away and a second replied, no, it's bigger than that. The news is overwhelming <laughs> partly because it arrives amidst a quadruple chase with neither a rumor nor a leak. Secondly, Jurgen Klopp was more than a football manager. He was a leader, a transformational change agent, and a deep empath in a chaotic world where it was all too rare. What he achieved at Anfield since arriving like a Teutonic Care Bear in 2015 has been nothing short of alchemy. Back then, Liverpool was a club reeking of tradition, aspiration, and haunted nearlies. Klopp transformed it with passion, faith, and bombast unleashing that audacious, demanding collective pressing game to overwhelm all comers. To watch Liverpool was to feel alive. And then he talks about the 2019 Champions League run which that was the first thing that popped in my head on just like great Liverpool memories under Klopp. And I immediately sent the highlights to my brother when I went back and watched it. And I know we talked about it when it happened on the podcast and my brother actually came on and we talked about it and Leland hated it then. He's going to hate it again now. But going into that match, playing Lionel Messi in Barcelona, entering the match down three goals from the previous meeting in Barcelona which means Liverpool has to win 3 nothing. They can't give up any goals, and they have to score three in order to send it into extra time. They have to win 4 nothing to win it outright. If they give up a goal, the math gets even more crazy for Liverpool to survive this. They get a goal early to go up 1-0 in that game, so now it's 3-1 on aggregate. Second half, they make a sub, it's two, it's three, and then right at the end, there's a corner, Liverpool scores, they win 4 nothing against Lionel Messi in Anfield, the crowd's going bananas, it's awesome. I 
still get chills watching that. And I remember what I had to record it because I was working during the day when the game is being played. And so I have this on DVR and I'm going home and I'm watching it. And my brother is coming back to Waynesboro because he had to go to Lynchburg and he was staying with me at the time. Um, and he gets in right when, right before the second half goal barrage starts for Liverpool. And he's just got a grin on his face. And sometimes with my brother, a grin is not always a good thing. Sometimes it can be him being chaotic evil. Um, So I'm nervous that I'm wasting my time watching this. But then the goal scores, another goal scores. And I looked at my brother and I was like, if this thing is going into penalties, tell me now, because I need to fast forward it to penalties. I can't, I cannot take this. I'm freaking out. And he just says, it doesn't go to penalties. And I was like, oh God. And then when they take the corner and the goal goes in, I'm screaming. My brother's already seen this once. He already knows. He's celebrating again. I'm screaming, celebrating. It was awesome. And then in 2020, uh, Liverpool wins the Premier League for the first time ever. Um, And, you know, Klopp, when he got there, there were a lot of people questioning him. He came from Germany. Can he... Can this German win in the Premier League? The Premier League is different than the Bundesliga. Can they do it? I don't know. I don't think he's got what it takes. He doesn't really win a lot over there. He's just got a team that's kind of high up, but they never beat Bayern Munich, who, by the way, is amazing. Bayern Munich is the riverheads of the Bundesliga, where they just win every single year. Now I understand. Now we finally got into somewhere I understand. I gotcha. For him to come (laughs) over and, and... you know, that post by the guy from Men and Blazers is right. He he did it in a different way. He he showed caring and empathy. One of his hallmarks and one of his trademarks is when a player comes off the field after being substituted, he just immediately brings them in for a big hug and tells them he's proud of them and their work. And then they go sit down on the bench. And that's something you don't get a lot in any sports. Uh, but... That's something that he felt was important. And there's an interview uh, on the Men and Blazers podcast uh, where he talks about, you know, what his this is before he ever wins the Champions League, before he wins the Premier League. Um, you know, what what's important as a coach? And he says, you know, I think it's more important on how you leave a place than what you do while you're there. And the and your impact on people, you he goes, I always try whenever I have an encounter with someone to make their day better than it was before they met me. And he said, I think if we get, you know, and he, then he starts to allude to, you know, after we pass away, if we go up to a gate, if they're asking me how much I want on a football field, that would be kind of weird. I think they're going to be asking what impact I had on the people's lives and the places I've been. I think that's more important. And it's, again, something you don't hear all the time, especially in sports. But in addition to being a great coach and a super passionate guy, uh, he's managed to change the culture there. They're back to winning. I hope there's, you know, uh, Jabby Alonzo is the current manager of the club that where they hired Jurgen Klopp from. Or, sorry, not the club, but the league. Uh, he's coaching a team called Bayern Leverkusen right now, but he's a former Liverpool player who is having a ton of success. They're actually first place in the Bundesliga right now, which is crazy. I don't think they're going to hold on to that, but he's doing really well. I hope he's the next manager. I hope when Jurgen Klopp steps down, that's the guy they go after and bring in because that would be a big, big hire. Uh, but that's that started 
my weekend of uh oh on Friday. Go to work. Work is great. Uh, dealing with Rob Ron, you know, it's always a bit of fun. Um, but then we go in, come home, expecting a pair of contacts, as I alluded to on this podcast last oh, time with the sham of the eye exams and all that jazz. Yeah. Pay for expedited shipping so they get there by Friday so I don't have a day where I don't have contacts. Well, I get home and there's no contacts. So now I'm calling 1-800-CONTACTS asking why I paid expedited shipping for contacts not to come on Friday. And I was quickly told, well, we sent you the eye exam and you didn't take it. And I was like, that's weird because I got charged for it. And it said I took it, said I, my results were submitted. I got emails saying it submitted. And again, I allude to the $20 you took uh, as the charge for it. And he goes, oh, let me look into this. And uh, apparently, the people at 1-800-CONTACTS, he sa- tells me that, um, you know, oh, the prescription was put under Joe Deck, and the order was placed under Joseph Deck. And I was like, well, I understand that mistake, except for the fact that on my account, you have the address, the phone number, the email, and even the date of birth, which would all match. And no one at 1-800-CONTACTS thought, huh. I bet this is probably the same person. There's a Nate Bargatze moment of comedy that is this. Like he was going to the airport and it's like, nope, can't. You said your name's Nate. Uh, this says Nathaniel. And he's like, yeah, we can make this leap, can't we? <laughs> yeah. That could not do it. So my order was never placed. Now, again, I will tell you, in the eyes of the bank where, or in the eyes of the credit card, it was placed because it's on the statement. I checked before I called. He assures me we'll do next day business shipping. They'll be here by Tuesday. I was like, great. That does me no good, but awesome. Thank you so much. And I get off the phone. And then I get an email with a second charge for contacts. So now oh. I call again. And this woman goes, oh, don't worry. That other one was canceled. We don't actually take the money until the order ships anyway. And I was like, wow, I would love to give you the number of my credit card company then so you can explain to them that you didn't actually charge my card. Even though it says you did twice now. And she's like, I'm really sorry. I'm just telling you what I'm supposed to tell you. I was like, I get it. It's not your fault. You didn't do this. I'm just frustrated with this whole thing. Now, Fast forward with the 1-800-CONTACT story. Uh, actually, no, because Sunday, I go, this is where I should have just not watched the game Sunday, Liam. This, is, this was the start. Because I am short on contacts, I now am reusing a daily pair, which has been done before with no issue. You just have to put them in a contact case, and then they can make it two days when you need to. Except when I put the first one into my right eye, it tears in three pieces. In my eye. And I get the first two pieces out, no problem. But that third piece was a bit of work, as it was small. And eventually, I fish it out. Well, now my eye is really stinging, and I'm not convinced that there's not a fourth piece in there somewhere that I'm not finding. Eventually, the irritation goes away, and I start just with the rest of the day, and I watch the game, go home after the Ravens lose, Go buy some saline solution, flush my eye out just to make sure there's not a fourth piece in there. 
I still feels like there might be something in there, but I'm also kind of convinced it might be a mental thing at this point. I watch the 49ers win. I go to bed questioning every decision that has led me to this point. Wake up. There is no fourth piece in my eye, so that's great. Now to wrap up the 1-800-CONTACTS saga, there was a box waiting for me today when I got here, so that was cool. Um, now we just have to make sure that other charge gets dropped. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it was, it was miserable because then the Ravens game is in between that and that's a whole thing. Um, VCU didn't beat George Mason, which was a little upsetting and disappointing. Um, George Mason is a really good team, but I was hoping VCU would win. Um, and then, yeah, it, it just... It was a rough weekend. I didn't I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um the the fact that Billy Joel has a new song releasing on Thursday is the only thing getting me through this week. Well, I might watch the Grammys because apparently he's performing at the Grammys. When is that? I don't know. The weekend between the Super Bowl and That's this weekend. That's this coming weekend. So after it comes out though. Yeah, I imagine that's yeah. what he's performing. I, I'm not big on the Grammys, but uh, with the kids being more into popular music, uh, it'll probably Billy Joel. I will watch it until Billy Joel performs, and then I will probably be done with the Grammys. But yeah, I'm not big on award shows. I'm trying to watch the Academy Award movies, so like that will be relevant because like years that I've seen at least a few of them, I care more than others. Uh, it's still a low amount of care, but it's you know, um, but with all the streaming availability now, you know, makes it happen. You think I would Sunday, February fourth? There you go. All right. Well, hopefully this week goes better, Joe, and we don't have to have the how everything went wrong for Joe section of the podcast. Next I mean, week. it was just it was it was it was bad. And um, oh, oh, my gosh, this is the one bit of good news from this weekend. Well, I shouldn't say we'll one. take it. Let's have it. Yeah, should no. say one. But I did save it for the end because I want to end on a positive note because that's who I am. Um, <laughs> Internal optimist. We knew that about. you. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Uh, Last week, I mentioned my nightmare of not having to get a new person to cut my hair because that the person I'm used hey. to wasn't available. Yeah. I go into the place already just hoping for the best with rando, random choice that I signed up for. I walk in the door, and lo and behold, the person who usually cuts my hair is sitting there. And she's super excited to see me because she's like, oh, it's been two it's been so long. And I was like, I know it's been over two months. This is awesome. I'm glad to see you. And I was like, I didn't see you on the sign up though. I'm really sorry. And she goes, Oh, come on back. I'm cutting your hair. And I was like, awesome. Wow. So lucky. Cutting the hair. We catch up. I find out later. She's gone from her uh, name that she likes to be called to a professional name because she's taking on another part of the business in addition to haircuts. And so it just made a, easier transition when she wanted to make the transition. So it was under a different name that I didn't recognize and that's why I didn't see it. So now we're not going to have that problem. If you need a haircut and you're in Waynesboro, Sevaluke, Priscilla will take care of you. That's who you book it under now. Um, and she'll take care of you. 
Awesome. So after the good news, folks, um, hopefully, as Leland said, it'll be more good news and less bad news, but we'll see. I don't know. Probably not um, because we've got the Chiefs and the 49ers in the Super Bowl and who cares? Uh, but until then, folks, we're going to be talking about high school basketball and the marquee matchups on the boys and girls side next week and how those shook out as they get ready for region tournaments here in the near future. Until then, we hope you enjoyed the Yak Sports Podcast. Make sure you're subscribed on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, as long as Google Podcasts exists. Hey, I I finally got the email telling me it was going away. Yeah. So yeah. Spotify, it, here I come. Yeah, if you're on Google Podcasts, find another one, Spotify, Podbean. Uh, you got Apple, Apple. There might be others we don't even know about. I, I think we would know if we were on them, but maybe not. Um, I don't know. We showed up on Spotify without me knowing. Oh, it's part of the feed. It tells you if you, yeah. Um, I knew we were on Spotify. Um, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Until then, folks, you can follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. That's Y-A-C Sports Pod or Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, Y-A-C Sports Pod. Uh, tell us what you think. Uh, are you excited about Usher at the halftime? Do you, are you excited for the matchup? Uh, am I just bitter about the Ravens losing and that's why I don't like Travis Kelsey anymore or am I justified? Um, like Leland said, I will say, uh, I don't, the Taylor Swift stuff doesn't really bother me. Um, it's, I don't like Travis Kelsey. Um, but until then, the, the leading receptions in, in playoff history, playoff history. Oof. Yeah. He had a lot. I of still catches. respect Jerry. Jerry Rice is still the man. Yeah. He had a lot of catches. Um, I will also say this, like, I'm not, I'm not totally ignorant. I, I don't think Travis Kelsey sucks. I just don't like him. And maybe that makes me a hater. Guilty. Um, I think he's probably the greatest tight end ever. Probably. I think he's better than Gronk. Who else are we talking about? Like Tony Gonzalez? Uh, I think he's probably better Gates. than him. Gates? Gates did not have the longevity. No. I think Travis Kelsey's probably better. Probably he's um, getting a lot of opportunity. That's that's for sure. But anyway, and he shows up and he does something with it. He had like twelve catches against us or something ridiculous. So had however many you wanted. Yeah, yeah that sucked. Um, <laughs> until then, folks, again, subscribe <laughs> on the podcast. We won't be talking about the Ravens anymore because they're done. And uh, yeah, if you're a team in Baltimore, uh, you just exist to get my hopes up and then. Crash them at the Jacket Rocks below, so can't wait for baseball. So if you're subscribing and listening uh, to hopefully better news again next week, we talked about it at the top. We'll talk about it again at the top next week with the Stanton showdown on the boys' side against Stewart's draft and Buffalo Gap-Wilson on the girls' side this weekend. Both of those should be great matchups where the Shenandoah district could be up for grabs. Uh, until then, folks, have a great rest of your week. Hopefully you have less drama than I did this weekend, and I wish you the very best. Unless you're Travis Kelsey. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.